Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 10, He Lives in You, featuring Broadway's finest, Gerald Caesar. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week of Stage Door Medium. I have the incomparable Gerald Caesar here today. Hi, Gerald. How are you? Hello. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, if you're watching at home, it's super fun because I was going back through our notes. So I read Gerald's um, uh, three years ago, and I was trying to see if there was anything that I had brought up that that happened. And um, I really couldn't make out the note because it was all chicken scratch. But I, I texted Gerald earlier that it was uh, fun three years to the day today that that we met and that that we spoke. And if you're watching at home, Gerald's Gerald's credits are crazy. Like, uh, uh, okay, so let's start with all right, you did a Bronx Tale, and then you went to the Lion King, right? Mm-hmm. Lion King. So, the Lion King tour where I saw you as Simba and then you went back to a Bronx tale and then there was choir boy on Broadway, which I heard like nothing but crazy good things about. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, you went right back to, or not right. What you went to Tina, the Tina Turner musical, which I yeah. went to see and then COVID had other plans. Yeah. We got to talk about Tina though in a little bit. Cause <laughs> I have so many questions for you. And that photo of you was uh, so good. Um, okay, so um, if, if you're new to watching the podcast at home, some of the things that we do is we try to discuss the parallels between um, what artists do and what mediums do. Because um, it's funny, every week now that I'm interviewing more and more people, there's so many parallels energetically between what we do, you know, because uh, in, in, everything is built around energy is what I always say. So, um, I guess if, if we could start here, tell me a little bit about like, how did you get the bug? What made you want to get into, into the arts? When I was in eighth grade, I had an English teacher, always the English teachers who always. ran the drama club and I auditioned to be in the school play and I didn't get cast. And the morning announcements, the cast was up and I didn't get cast, but then she said like, we have these other random parts, like just come be in the show. And I was in it, it was some school show. I don't even know what it was called now. It was like a middle school edition show. And then freshman year I did the drama club, sophomore year I went to an arts high school until senior year. And then that's when I was like, I guess I'm gonna get a BFA now. <laughs> was there a show, like was there a show that you did in high school that was like, this seals the deal, like nothing can compare to like what I'm feeling. I don't know if there was one show that I did so much as I just kind of became obsessed with musical theater in general. You know what I mean? Yep. And even before that, did with Disney Channel, like having like High School Musical, Camp Rock, all these things that kind of fostered that desire to perform. And it's funny because you have the same exact story that Haley Pachoon and I had where we auditioned, you know, um, or Haley and I had, had spoken about this. I auditioned eighth grade for a show too. I didn't care. I went in and I sang like happy birthday or something. And I thought I was like, they're going to take me. I'm like, they need guys. And that cast list went up and they did not. And I remember being like, like rude. And, um, but I think for me, it was what I needed to get my ass in there and, you know, come back next year. What performance, is there a particular show that you've done that drained you every night? Is there one more than others that you felt like really took every bit of energy out of you? 
Yeah, I guess, I guess that would be Lion King because of all the, the, the physicality and mm -hmm. like the mask is pretty, I guess you get used to the weight of it and the corset, but yeah, physically it just, it's, it, it involves a lot. It, it takes a lot. It doesn't seem like when you watch the show, when I first watched the show, I was like, oh, this is, this kind of went by quick. Like that's not a crazy track because Young Simba does the first act, but actually doing it, especially like on the joints and, you know, the yeah. hamstring, the back, it's, just, it's very physical. So yeah, I would say that. I remember I was, I was so nervous watching you when you were, I think I get, I've only seen the Lion King probably like three or four times. And every time the rock is going, as we we're leading up to like the, the final confrontation and you're yeah. going like backward while this thing is like spinning, like pride rock is like doing like zoomies while you're going backward. I'm like, Oh my God, like it, it's gotta take, it's, it's gotta take its toll on you. So yeah. can you, what are some things in, that you do? to I guess decompress or um, help to unwind because especially is it more grueling do you find being on the road um, being on Broadway and and if so how do you decompress well definitely tour is harder you know just like traveling around having to get used to different climates or putting the show like a show like Lion King where you have to do a rehearsal in the space before you do the show because of the effects rehearsal? of yeah, you know, for the, yeah, for the most part, there's not much gets skipped. So that's just, you're just doing more. You know what I mean? You're putting your body through more. Um, I would say to decompress, I mean, I just, I, I'm not a big stage door person, uh, which is funny because people, you know, I'm a Leo. So people are like, you must want the attention. You must want, but actually after the show, that's like the last thing I want to do, which is I know probably blasphemous for some people but I just like to go straight to my apartment and unwind like whether that be a hotel room or yeah. my apartment in New York I just want to I don't know I guess sometimes have a drink usually okay because I'm so regimented in this way I get home and I have to shower right away because sometimes if you get doing other things you may get too tired. I may get too tired to do my little nightly routine. So that's the first thing. And then by the time that's done, I'm just ready to like maybe watch an episode or something, FaceTime someone. But I'm not huge for going out after shows. It's interesting. I know as a as a medium with readings and stuff too. I it, it depends. Like if if it's a client that I've already read before, it's a little easier to like reestablish connection with the person because. By this point, you've already brought their loved ones through, so it's a little easier to tap into their energy versus like doing it the first time. But so if it's a, you know, if it's a, if we have to be up early for a reading for some odd reason, but it's somebody I've already read, I feel like I can have a little bit more wiggle room and I can like stay up later and, you know, actually have a drink and stuff like that. But if it's somebody that I, that I haven't read, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I was, we were just talking about that. It's like, it's like 10 PM and I'm like, go home. Like I got to go to bed, you know, to, yeah. get, to get ready for it. Cause I'll yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a job, you know? And it's, um, so I think the other thing that I wanted to talk with you about, and it's also crazy. I had never thought that you guys have to run the show, basically a dry run within every theater. Um, mm -hmm. Cause how many people, so in terms of all the automation, um, in terms of people running the automation, the flies, are those how many of them are local within each city? And so, and is it for that sake? Is it for the safety of making sure? That's a part of it. I, I want to say most of them are not local. We had a big crew, but 
you know, dressers need to know what to do. There are certain safety things that need to be done, like the foy, so people can fly and things like that. So it just for safety's sake and for the sake of the show running smoothly, it's best to get at least some sort of run in there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You learn something new. I think my favorite part of the Lion King is just randomly how they don't even try to mask little Simba all of a sudden like flying up in the air into the tree. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I think that's my favorite. You're just watching him and all of a sudden it's like very alphaba. He just like puts his hands up and like zooms into a tree. Yeah. <laughs> like what's happening? Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to talk with you about too is because I've gotten this question before is, you know, is everyone you meet on the other side nice? Um, sometimes the answer is no. Um, it doesn't mean that they're, they're bad energy. It just, it also just doesn't mean that I have to, doesn't necessarily mean I care for them. Um, and same thing for the client. Sometimes I'm not going to gel with the client, but I still have to put that aside to, to do the work. So do you, can you vouch for that? I mean, have you had experiences where like, you don't feel like you click with the company or the company itself is just not gelling and what do you find that you have to do to put that aside every night? Yeah, there was a show that comes to mind, uh, one show in particular that, you know, th there were a lot of, I think if you're in an environment where people are kind of following the leader and not to say that that's not life, you know what I mean? But if you allow certain personalities to dominate a space that can become negative quickly, um, which is why I think it's so important to have a stage management team, but usually like a lead or whoever the leads are to be, to set the tone for a positive environment, you know, um, which is a, which is something that maybe you have to learn over time or, you know, every case is different, but yes, I've been in that experience before or that situation before, and it's just best to try and kill them with kindness, but really focus on yourself and like try and protect your own energy. That can be difficult if you are antagonized or, you know, if you feel like you can't focus on the work, but I don't know. I think in performance spaces, conflicts can be, can seem more dramatic because of the personalities, because of how people interact in a space where you have to change in front of people. And it's so, you're so close that I, think tensions can rise in a way that they, they may not in a space where you aren't getting naked in front of people or where you're not jumping all over, touching over, kissing over. So many things happen in shows that can maybe make boundaries a little thin. There, there's times where I will be the client where I can tell they, you know, politically we might not align or, you know, they might have vastly different beliefs on, you know, um, you name it. And it, it, it's a little awkward at first because and you said it best, this idea of just, you just have to protect your energy. Um, you know, there's only one you, there's only one me. And I, I think there comes a point though, like you said, just be kind. You know, I, I feel like if there's, if there's one thing that I strive to be when I do a reading, it's kind. I never want anyone to walk away with a, like a yuck feeling in, in their mouth. And, and, you know, I think once we get out of our own way and just go, okay, at the end of the day, the job is still doing this show eight times a week, or the job is still relaying these messages to, to somebody. I think once I reorient myself and go, okay, like 
I might not gel with them, but I still have to do what I have to do. It's, it's easier to, I think, navigate it once you do that. And I think getting practice and yeah, Absolutely. big names. Have you, uh, what do you do? Uh, have you ever, in terms of being starstruck, um, are there any people that you have met in the past couple of years doing some of the shows that have left you completely starstruck? You know, this may not be the most ideal answer, but I don't really, it's difficult for me to get starstruck. It's, diff, it's always been difficult for me to separate or to not separate, I suppose, the person from whatever their body of work is. It's hard for me to not see everyone as human. I'm very much like, okay, you are a person. I think this is going to sound cliche, but if I were to not even just meet Beyonce, but be able to hang out with Beyonce, that would make me feel like, oh, wow, this is wild. You know what I mean? I think the, the best maybe was Tina Turner because she's such a legend, but also up there in age to the point where it's like, wow, I got to meet you in this space. She came to the show right after, or I guess not long after having a surgery. And so, you know, there were people there to support her, you know what I mean, make sure that she was good. Sure. But I, I think that was just the legacy and the body of she has behind her was, was, it was amazing to see her in person, but I don't really get starstruck. It's like I said, it's difficult for me to not see them as just people. There's definitely, I mean, there's times where if there is a, there have been some people that I've read that whose body of work I've really admired. So it is a little, I don't want to say I get nervous. That's the other thing. If you know that somebody's in the audience at night, do you find like, maybe that's a better way I should have worded it. Will you get nervous? Um, and because for example, I saw in the photos, like when you talked about somebody escorting Tina Turner, one of them was Gail and the other, the other one was Oprah. I would have like, I probably would have like freaked out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And did you meet her? Did you get to talk with Oprah? I didn't really talk with her. No, I didn't talk with her. She was there and she was very complimentary. She was doing her thing, you know? Um, it's just generally in spaces like that, people are going to be starstruck and are going to want to crowd those people or just being really close proximity to them. So because of that, and this is how it's always been, I kind of just like find a place comfortably in the back because I hate being surrounded by people. This sounds so crazy, as <laughs> world, but in general, which is why it's crazy to like live in New York and be on the subways. I don't know. I just kind of found my place in the back and I was like, I'll just wait for this to pass because I would rather have someone who's really freaking out, who snuck their camera on stage, who's going to try and get a picture. If you're that committed, you should absolutely get that photo. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, no, it wasn't crazy seeing Oprah. I, I almost wish that I did get more starstruck and be more exciting. But it's usually like, wow, you have done so much. You are incredibly wealthy you've done great things. It's great that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. That's a good way of thinking of it. But the thing about it is for me, it's hard to not imagine as such busy people and you still have to be on as those personalities backstage meeting people. I, it's not like I'm thinking, oh my God, I performed for Oprah tonight. I'm thinking Oprah's the audience and that's amazing. But this show is... There's no way she'll remember me. If I ever did an interview with Oprah and she said she remembered me, I'd be shocked. Just because it's <laughs> such a, you know, living a busy life as a celebrity, I can't imagine that every show you see, which I see so many, 
everyone's six, especially in a show like Tina, when you see Adrian, you have to leave thinking about how incredible she is and how incredible the, the role is and how incredibly difficult the role is. Um, I, I guess we're going off course with what you asked. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I love that you mentioned, um, uh, you know, them having to keep up that persona backstage, you know, because I feel like you guys all do to an extent have to keep up a persona at the stage door. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, if you're going to do it, I feel like it's, you know, I've never, uh, I, you know, th there's been very few encounters of when I was a teenager of people that I ran into that were not friendly at the stage door. And you could tell they were just like, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? They were not very warm and welcoming, but um, I know for the most part, I, I, I feel like that's such a misconception of I think that's another misconception too, is that people think that the stage door is an owed experience. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you owe us this and like, no, you don't. Um, and uh, it, it, it's a courtesy. How do you shake a bad show? I mean, do you have any, do you have any memories, any stories of like, I bombed that, that show. This was not a good one. Do you have any specific stories you can think of maybe from Lion King time? And then how do you shake it? Um, I think in general, I just get very paranoid about things. There's always a, a, a point in a, a long running show where I'll just question everything just because I don't know why that happens. And I've noticed it the past couple of years. I'm like, why do I do that? Like I do this every night. Why am I questioning this now? You know what I mean? Um, but I think I just try and remember that we do so many shows and that's the thing about not having shows that are recorded. If everything was recorded, there would be, I mean, that would be wild, which is why, I mean, doing film, obviously it's gonna be there forever, but it's so different because there are so many people, you're such a small part of the overall prop experience because they, so many editors, so many, so many moving pieces. Whereas in theater, you may have a bad show, especially singing, like not even a whole bad, a show that's entirely bad but maybe just a bad crack or like a bad something or like a late cue or just little things where it's like ah maybe not maybe no one really even noticed that or maybe it wasn't as big a deal as it seemed or maybe it was but i'm going to do it again tonight or we're going to do it again tomorrow you know what i mean yeah. so it's just there's always i guess a, an opportunity to redeem yourself in a sense yeah, that, that's a great point. I um, Were there any moments in The Lion King too? Were there ever any moments that you're like, oh, I don't feel ready for this part tonight? If you had to pick one moment out of The Lion King that you're like, oh, I don't know, this is the one part that I get a little worried for, anything like that. The end of Endless Night is just difficult. The song is just difficult. Those A's, those high A's over and over. Yeah, it's that, it's the vowels, it's it's that so much of it is like random like G's like written on breaks. It just, when I first heard the song, I wasn't like wild or I was like, this is a good song, but then to sing it and have to get it in your voice, it would be easier to sing Run and Tell That every night. Isn't it funny that I think there's such a misconception too. I remember when I had done Grease years ago, it, sometimes when you hear the music, if it's more sing-songy, I think the brain equates it to, this must be easy to sing as well. Mm -hmm. And I remember there were a couple songs in Greece when I had done it that were like, there were some like stratospheric notes that felt a little out of my comfort zone. And I remember going like, 
when you watch Grease as an audience member, it's such a different experience than doing the show physically every mm-hmm. night. I remember it was such a, like a rude awakening. You know, I had to start like even Hairspray. I had to start like jogging on the treadmill and singing through the score just to get through it um, mm-hmm. and, and, and figure that out. Um, what was, what moment did you look forward to every night with the Lion King? Uh, the, I guess it was entrance in Hakuna Matata, you know, just like singing a little singing by that's fun. Um, that and once the show gets going, probably he lives in you is fun. That was hard to get running around was difficult at first, but that he lives in you and the finale <laughs> like i don't know like when i'm thinking about moments it's like okay great i'm entering this is fun and then it's like oh he lives in you is fun at the end but these are marks like that's a mark and then he lives in you is like towards the end of the show and then after that it's like all right home stretch like let's just finish this up you know <laughs> I know, and I, I distinctly remember, and I know I told you because when we went backstage in, in in Buffalo, I remember your dad came through literally the moment at the finale when you step on the rock as when he's starting to like reclaim his you know homeland and territory. I remember your dad told me specifically that moment he looked forward to like every night it, it was just like such a pride thing for him to watch you do that and then in conjunction with like the music and everything happening there i remember i remember tearing up because like hearing him talk about it and yeah here's the thing like most of the time i can tune it out during a performance because that's the joy of it is that i can just go nope like i'm watching the show tonight but because i had already read you and because he knew that we were going to talk afterward he was like in my ear for certain spots of the show going, oh, I like this part or I like this part. And it's, um, but it's interesting. Like he was also very concerned about like your safety and like the logistics of things happening on stage. Like that was another thing that he would have like looked out for, for quite a bit for you. It was, it was cute. Tell me about, oh, tell me about Dear Evan Hansen. Um, Cause it's, if you're watching at home, they're turning it into a movie. Um, ben Platt, Amy Adams. Um, so gosh, so like, and yeah. it was so exciting every day they kept releasing a new name and a new name. And, and then I saw your name released and I like screamed. I was so, <laughs> I was like, I have to text him right now. So yes. tell me about it. Like, what was your audition process like? Um, my audition process started in mid-July. It was just like, I feel like it was kind of random. I got a, a breakdown from my manager and it said the role's name was Oliver. And I was like, is this, this is not a character. I don't know who this is, Nervin And that's when I saw the drop in the Dropbox link. I saw like six or seven new names. And I was like, oh, these are the new like characters. Okay, so they're new people. Um, so I auditioned for that character right shortly after I bleached my hair, which is funny because, well, I bleached it the first time and it wasn't really what I wanted. Excuse me, then I bleached it again. And I, I was thinking, it, I liked it so much. I was like, this might be a vibe. Like, watch me get a job because of this hair. Like, I'll stand out. It's a vibe really quick at home. I will upload a photo. It's a vibe. I'm telling you. Keep going. (laughs) So um, I did this audition for, like, this gay character. And then I was very, my friend Kimber helped me. I was very proud of the tape. So I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, I didn't think much about it. At first, I was like, I could get a callback for that. And I didn't hear anything. It was fine. Then I had one. On the callback date, someone got sick from the team, so they had to move it. 
So I was like, ah, oh, okay, fine. I, I knew I was going to cut some of the blonde out, and I wanted it to be as long as possible to the audition and um, or the, the director session. So I did that over Zoom. And during, they asked me after the audition, they were like, so how tall are you? Did you play sports in high school? And that's when I figured that I wasn't the right body type for this character. And then I was sent sides in that moment. I logged out and looked over the sides for two other characters and then logged back in and auditioned for those. And it was good, it felt good. Um, in the moment, I wish that I could have had more time or could have, you know, prepared them ahead of time. But for what it was, I was, I was content. And then it took a while to hear anything. And then I heard that the day before my birthday, I heard that I was, I got a watch and advise to see, to say that, you know, they were going to forward my stuff, I guess, to producers or whoever. And then it took a long time after that. And that's when it came out that they wanted me in the movie, but they weren't sure about where to place me. The roles I had auditioned for went to other people. And then they decided to, I guess, compile parts of the script from other characters and make them into one character. So I haven't even read what I'm going to be doing yet. Um, the script is, has yet to be finished. So I'm excited to see what I actually end up doing in the show, you know? Which in a way, talk about like what greater compliment can that be though? If they're like, you know what, we're going to take a bits and pieces of a ton and just to create a part for you. Like that's got to be so special to know oh. that. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so yeah. excited. Um, do you now? Did you do your auditions on Zoom? Like, what? Like, did you use like a Zoom platform? Yeah, I did. A, I did a self tape, and then after that, I did one Zoom callback. And I guess for these newer roles, maybe because they're smaller, that's what everyone's journey was like. Um, but I didn't hate the Zoom experience, especially like having just putting my phone inside my ring light and doing it that way, it makes it, you can audition from anywhere, right? I mean, if I, I like my apartment a lot, I don't want to leave it, but I moved here in December and Broadway stopped in March. So I keep thinking, well, I guess now's the time to move anywhere. Yeah. Um, that being said, I don't want to give up my apartment just yet. <laughs> but the Zoom experience was good. Did you have, I mean, um, are you like, I was wondering too, is it hard to block out like, for example, like sometimes you'll hear people say the, the spatial distance in a theater, for example, makes it easier to tap into a character, to block out other things. Being the fact that you're staring at a computer, um, I mean, were you looking back? I mean, did they have other people across the Zoom screen that you could interact with? How did that work? So I was using my phone so that I could put it inside my ring light. So I really only saw there was one woman reading. And I was actually looking past the ring light. The only thing that was tricky for me was like, I was afraid that I would like maybe kind of go cross-eyed from focusing on the ring light, but then <laughs> back on it, if it was like going back and forth my vision. So I was trying to find a spot. I think in the future, actually, I'll probably put up maybe a sheet of paper or something large that I can focus on in the background. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I know um, I, I'd been a guest on a, a different podcast as a medium and I almost found that the light helped me to focus. It was this weird, like I probably looked like cracked out doing the readings because my eyes <laughs> were like that. But at the yeah. same time, it was so easy to, I think, tune out because there were probably like six other people in the room. So for me to make sure that I wasn't reading on the other people and just reading on the person that was calling in, the lights actually helped. So wow, there you go. Yeah. I've been seeing all these like um, Instagram posts, just like mocking lights back and forth since. Have you seen them? They're hysterical. Oh, 
Oh, there, there's a ton. I see them all the time about like just how different like your world is like with a ring light and it's like super oh, yeah. funny, but it does make a difference. Um, and now it's time for some last minute questions. If you had to be stuck in a theater as a ghost for all of eternity and could only see one show over and over nightly, what show would you pick? It could be any show. Goodness. What show would that be? I suppose. Wow. It's a good um, one, right? It's a good question. I'm thinking because some shows that come to mind, my first musical loves like Next to Normal Spring Awakening. But that's kind of dark. I guess in the Heights, I enjoy doing that show. It's a good one. In the, yeah. Spring Awakening is heavy. I'm not sure I'd want to watch yeah. it every night. Yeah. I was thinking if I could do music wise, I would do like SZA. Do you listen to SZA? Mm -mm. Hmm, I would listen to like her or Chloe and Hallie, like albums that I can listen to or songs I can listen to on repeat. But as far as musicals, I feel like any musical would end up turning into a torment, right? <laughs> if you had to pick a show that you've been in to be stuck to watch every night, what would you pick? Other than in, oh, you mentioned In the Heights. Give me another one. If you had to pick your next runner up. I guess that would be Tina. If I could watch someone do Tina every night, or even if it was like the same show, different Tina every night, that would be even more fun. Um, That's another, I guess, fun thing I should ask you really quick, because you have an alternate Tina as well. So do you find that the energy of that performance changes? How drastically does it change? Do you find that the audience changes? Um, what can you, I guess, share about that? Yes. They are very different. I would say every team is really different that has gone on or that I've gone on with. Um, it's just, you know, I don't know. People just perform so, have their own performance styles, their own approaches. And then like, sometimes it is tight. I know people don't want to, some people don't like the idea of tight, but you know, you might get one Tina that is very strong and maybe a really strong actor with a good voice, you may get, for example, Adrian Warren, I call her like Tina Barbie. Like she looks like a Barbie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, yeah. actually. But, then she gives, but she's giving you like a, a film <laughs> Tina in that she sounds like a record every night. She looks incredible. She's great. She's great. Her, her, her energy, is great. Um, and I think that maybe that's a, a, a pro for going on every night as Tina, as opposed to going on sometimes. Mm -hmm. But each Tina has, a, has their own very different energy. Very neat. Yeah. Um, which character that you played, I'm kind of already guessing what you're going to answer, but I'm curious. Um, can you give me the name of one character that you played that you think could benefit the most from a medium? Well, if I'm not going to give the obvious answer, <laughs> or I guess, what? I know. You know, the textbook answer would obviously be Simba because his father's dead. And Rafiki's like kind of a medium at that moment. Exactly. She's, like, she's yeah. like, hey, by the way, come with me over here. She's like, I've got your dad. And can I ask really quick, are those supposed to be fish that are swimming that then make the big head of the dad? I can never tell. You know what? Sure, maybe, but my, I'm never facing that direction. I mean, it's definitely visible, you know, with, with the little green dots and they're just kind of bobbing around. Yeah, fish. I mean, I, 
no idea. I mean, truly, every time I'm like, it's behind me. It's happening behind yeah, me. I mean, your backs. I would say Benny from In the Heights because no one knows what his parents are doing, what that story is. So he probably can benefit from immediately. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, all right. And um, biggest misconception you think people have about Broadway actors? Um, biggest misconception. I guess about Broadway in general, that it's glamorous. It's not glamorous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's at least in New York on Broadway, uh, some theaters are very spacious and maybe for some tracks, some principles, it can be glamorous or more glamorous, but I would say, especially if you're in the ensemble, the Long Acre, like Bronxo, where it's very tight, that wouldn't be glamorous for anyone really, but it's just hard work. Uh, eight times a week, you know what I mean? It's not, even when I think about movie sets, I've never actually even worked on a set yet. Evan Hansen was my first one. But you think about like craft services, you think about having a trailer, you think about getting a car to set, you think about so many things that don't happen at all on Broadway. COVID aside, what do you think Broadway is gonna look like when we come back? And what are your hopes for the future of Broadway? I mean, I think we'll definitely take a pay cut for a bit in terms of like everyone, I, I would assume, um, especially if we go back without it being at max capacity. But in general, Broadway, the industry has lost a lot of money. So I'm guessing there'll be some sort of pay cut. Um, I'm guessing there'll be a lot of empty theaters for a while. I'm hoping that that doesn't stop the movement for more voices being heard on Broadway and more appropriate, continuing to move forward and telling authentic, appropriate stories. I think that at like, just like how the world is, you know, we are all born, especially in the US, I'll say, into a racist culture that you, no matter what race you are, you are internalizing white supremacy in some way. That just is, that's the like crazy part about it is no matter what, either you are white or you're not, and you still hold certain beliefs that you may not even realize you hold until you're confronted with a certain uh, experience so or situation. So it's just everything, the default for everything is white, right? Like if it's, especially if it's like, a story that has some kind of redemption. So I would say, I hope that we continue to tell stories where it's not like, I mean, I think we're gonna look back at shows like Aida and be like, wow, no one raised an eye at their, all the Egyptians being white in Aida. That's just what it was. And we just accepted it, just like white Jesus and white Santa and white everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and these are things that I didn't even think about as a kid growing up, but then you realize like, oh, if you let it, everything will become whitewashed. Like you really have to actively make sure that doesn't happen or it will. And history has shown us that, you know what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. I, I hope that we continue to move forward despite or in spite of COVID. I hope so too. I, I think with all of these discussions that I, I've been loving following the Broadway performers that will turn over their Instagrams to other actors, you know, people of color, and to hear their stories about 
how they've been encouraged to play the role more white. You know, I mean, literally their direct quotes, you know, play it more white. And, you know, you'll, you'll hear people that will talk about how, you know, if, if they're playing a, a traditionally a played by a white role, they'll want it to all of a sudden be sassy or be done a particular way because they're, you know, because they're, they're black or it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. It's eye-opening, you know, to, to hear those stories. And I agree. It's, it's my hope that for the future, we go forward with making sure that we're being more honest about the, the way we're telling stories, be more honest with the types of stories that we're telling. And that there's, what was that analogy about basically there's like two there's two jars of marbles right and one jar has like 100 marbles and one jar has like 15 and saying okay if you take one roll from the 100 rolls it will be way less noticeable than if you take one of the 15 obviously you can make homegirl in great comment which i did not see because i was in a show at the time but you make that role a person of color and it's like okay cool you take what's that show not even the color purple once in this island yes and you make two moon white it's a whole different experience because obviously representation is so different i wish that people didn't see diversity in casting as some sort of some sort of great loss as if most things aren't still white do you know what I mean? Oh, gosh, you bring up such a good point because, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like loss sometimes it's viewed it like, are we going to take a financial hit by putting a person of color in this? You know, I mean, we've discussed this at home so many times about like, what is the flawed rationale there, you know, of thinking, but I mean, I think, I think the other thing that we're talking about is that uh, you're seeing it, uh, thankfully, there, there's shows where they're, they're getting more diverse audiences, you know, when, and, but I think before that, I think the the old misconception was that Broadway audiences, you know, ticket pairs are white. And, yeah. and let's, you know, I felt like we were discussing this, you know, did they feel like there was an obligation to put forward people of the same race, you know, in order to sell tickets, which is garbage. You know, what yeah. I mean? it's like, I would, I don't care who is playing that role. I will be there a bajillion times to keep seeing the same show if it's a great show. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what sticks. I hope so. I, I, I hope there's a greater sensitivity from the directors, from the casting, you know, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. So, um, yeah. well, look, it was a real gift uh, having you on tonight. And thank and you for having your me. Wisdom. Yeah. And so I will put up his, um, his Instagram handle up there. So you can, I want to get you to verified status, but you're going to be there so soon once this movie comes out. Uh, And then everyone can go follow you and see that glorious blonde hair, that photo that you posted. Oh my God, yeah. Such a good one. And then, um, so awesome. I I wish you the best of luck and I I can't wait to cheer you on one day when when we're back and then cheer you on in the movie theaters too, so. Oh, the theaters will be open. Yes. Yes. It's, it's not a it's not a matter of if, it's just when. You know, yeah. it's just when. So we're coming. Uh, so. Well, thank yeah. you so much and uh have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Hi everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram, stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stage Door Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.